This piece came out in Time Magazine yesterday. And I haven't even read this yet. I have heard about it and I have seen and heard people discussing snippets of it. This article literally talks about a conspiracy of a group of people creating a cabal to fortify, quote unquote, the election and the election results. The words conspiracy and cabal are actually used. And just so we can leave, like really push this point home, I'm gonna pull up the definitions of cabal and conspiracy. We have them ready when we get to that part of the article. <laughs> Because, I mean, this is, <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. So, here's this article. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. Now, just as a forewarning here, a lot of the stuff that is mentioned in this article is very similar to claims that Donald Trump made and that people are getting censored for and kicked off of YouTube and Facebook and other platforms for and are getting canceled for. So, YouTube overlords, please keep in mind, I am reading the exact words of an article here. We'll be, we'll be, it'll be up on screen so we can follow along together. And this is straight out of Time Magazine. So the article starts out. A weird thing happened right after November 3rd election. Nothing. The nation was braced for chaos. Liberal groups had vowed to take to the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll before election day, 75% of Americans voiced concern about violence. Instead, an eerie quiet descended. As President Trump refused to concede, the response was not mass action, but crickets. When media organizations called the race for Joe Biden on November 7th, jubilation broke out instead as people thronged cities across the U.S. to celebrate the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. And uh, actually, here's a picture of some of the reactions of all of the people that went out and took to their streets and took off their masks and drank champagnes and shared drinks with each other and shared glasses with each other in the middle of a pandemic where, uh, you know, just a few weeks prior, government officials and liberals and leftists everywhere were saying, well, Trump can't have rallies because that'll spread COVID. But... When you're getting together with your leftist buddies to celebrate Biden being named the winner of the election, that's okay because Biden will cure COVID. And I mean, he basically has because as soon as he was announced as the winner or certified, we'll say, 
and then inaugurated, well, gee, um, Massachusetts started letting up their lockdowns. Lori Lightfoot over in Chicago started letting down some of her lockdowns. Uh, New York, Bloomberg, um, Bloomberg's people started talking about the importance of lifting lockdowns. Cuomo decided to lift some lockdowns. Newsom in California was like, gee, maybe we should lift some of these lockdowns magically as uh, as Biden became president. And, you know, right before that, too, you know, the worst numbers that we've seen in the country and it's going to be a long, dark winter and COVID is going to kill us all. Well, now suddenly, all of a sudden, COVID cases are down like 14 or 15 percent in some places, 20 percent in other places magically. I mean, Joe Biden just has to exist. He just has to breathe his magic Joe Biden breath all over the land and COVID is dead, basically. Never mind that um, there's all these news reports of deaths coming out connected to the vaccines and how like you still have to wear your mask and social distance anyways. And you can, you know, people saying, well, oh, you have to get the vaccine so that you can't catch it and spread it. But once you get the vaccine, you can still catch it and spread it. Uh, talking about double, triple masking. But Joe Biden and his magical Joe Biden breath just went out across the land. He hugged everyone in those big blue arms that they talked about on CNN, represented by the lights around the Washington Monument. And he cured COVID. So this doesn't even matter. A second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempts to reverse the result, says the writer. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner even while many key states were still being counted. And then time says Trump was right. Right there. All this time that we were told it was conspiracy and misinformation and lies and all the deplatforming that happened around it, um, blaming violence on it. And then time just says, oh, Trump was right. Well, why was he right? Because there was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Now here is where I'm going to pull up the definition for you guys of conspiracy. Conspiracy, the act of conspiring together, an agreement upon, among conspirators, a group of conspirators. Now, Synonyms of this include cabal, crew, gang, mafia, mob, ring, and syndicate. Usually, conspiracy has really negative connotations. Usually, it's used in connected to crimes or overthrowing governments. That's a popular right now. Or things like that. So, keep in mind, there was this conspiracy going on, unfolding by Time Magazine's Onwards, there was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes to coordinate the resistance from CEOs and stop protests. 
Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Congress and the AFL-CIO published on Election Day. So this is um, a big union, I believe. Um, both sides would come to see it as a sort of implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive racial justice protests. But I thought that they were just peaceful protests and weren't destructive, but okay. In which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. So the conspiracy was to stop the assault on democracy by Trump. Which is interesting because later in the article, um, from what I've seen of it discussed, they say, well, it wasn't a conspiracy to stop Trump, but it was a conspiracy to, to oppose his assault on democracy. So they can't even keep their story straight. The handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election. First of all, anyone who's engaging in protecting the election is not going to be cross, like non-partisan, cross-partisan. That's, that's not how things work this, these days. But anyways, an extraordinary shadow effort. Again, shadow effort conspiracy dedicated not to winning the vote but to ensuring it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted while also, remember stopping Trump's assault on democracy so it's not about Trump they say but it's to keep things free and fair while opposing Trump okay for more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives. See, this word too, operatives. I mean, that's normally what you hear in like spy movies, intelligence, counterintelligence, things like that. This conspiracy shadow effort with operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as they came under simultaneous attack from a remorseless pandemic and an autocratic, autocratically inclined president. So we had to protect them from Donald Trump and his, remember, quote-unquote, assault on democracy, not from this conspiracy of shadow efforts and operatives. I mean, if you read between the lines, like, this is so loaded, this screams propaganda. But it gets better. Though much of this activity took place on the left. So they claim that it's cross-partisan, and later in the article, they'll even claim non-partisan had nothing to do with Trump except for stopping his assault on democracy. But much of this activity took place on the left. But they didn't want to change the results or to impact the results. They just wanted it to be free and fair from the left's perspective. It was separate from the Biden campaign and crossed ideological lines, even though much of this activity took place on the left. They contradict themselves even in the same sentence. With crucial contributions by nonpartisan and conservative actors. Okay. 
The scenario, the shadow campaigners were desperate to stop was not a Trump victory, okay? It was an election so calamitous that no result could be discerned at all, a failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that has been a hallmark of America since its founding. Well, so remember, one of the things that we talked about after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the possibility that if a result couldn't be determined, it would then be determined by the House and could go to the Supreme Court. And now remember, the left was concerned that the Supreme Court would, le would lean conservative with the appointment of Amy Coney Barrett. Remember that? And so they talked about if they were to gain power, the importance of packing the court with Democrats and making Washington, D.C. a state, which they are trying to do, and doing all of these other things to ensure a long-term Democrat left majority. All of those things that they threatened to do, they have already started introducing and trying to do. So, I mean, there was already things in place. There was a system in place as to what would happen if for some reason election results could not be determined. But for them, they say, well, no, that there, there, there wasn't a system in place. And so it would have been calamitous and a failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that has been a hallmark of America since its founding. That's not there was a system in place for that. They just didn't like the system because it didn't lead in their favor. Their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. And the thing is, a lot of these laws that they changed last minute, they did without state congressional approval which is illegal, um, and that is what some of the lawsuits were about, and they all got thrown out, and people are saying, well, the fact that they got thrown out means that there was, you know, no merit to them, but really what it means is that the courts didn't want to have to get involved in election results or anything that would change election results, and there are articles of people talking about that and saying how the courts don't have a business in doing anything with election results. Whether or not you believe that's true or within their purview is something different entirely. The courts didn't want to get involved. And, you know, I would think that if these people were really so interested and, and wanting to ensure so much that we had a free and fair, credible and uncorrupted election, as they say, right here, then you would think that they would be open to actually investigating some of these claims and making sure that none of these claims were legitimate and not working to change the laws outside of the state constitutions, which they did. Things like, um, they had like voting in the park in New York City. That that goes against New York uh, state laws and the New York constitution. Um, but they did it anyways. 
And I mean, they said, oh, you know, a pandemic, it's special circumstances and blah, 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 blah. I mean, they they changed the rules last minute. They skirted around state laws to change the rules. But remember, it was part of a free and fair and credible, uncorrupted election thanks to this conspiracy of shadow operatives being talked about in Time magazine. They fended off voter suppression lawsuits, recruited armies of poll workers, and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. Though voting by mail is not anything new, it actually started in like 2019, but regardless. They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and used data-driven strategies to fight viral smears. So they admit to controlling the narrative and the flow of information. They executed national public awareness campaigns, <coughs> propaganda, that helped Americans understand how the vote count would unfold over days or weeks, preventing Trump's conspiracy theories and false claims of victory from getting more traction. I mean, to be fair, when we all went to bed on November 3rd, he was ahead by a huge margin. And I remember taking screenshots and watching, especially like um, Rhode Island and Virginia and North Carolina at the time were all red and Trump was ahead by like 20% in some of these states. And they had already called them for Joe Biden. That's pretty fishy. But anyways, Excuse me. After Election Day, they monitored every pressure point to ensure that Trump could not overturn the result. The untold story of the election is the thousands of people of both parties, but remember, they said it was mostly on the left, who accomplished the triumph of American democracy at its very foundation. Well, how can you be sure that it was the triumph of American democracy when it sounds like this conspiracy of a shadow effort with operatives, remember these are their own words, worked to make sure that they liked the result of the election and they felt that the election was free and fair and credible. So if it's their opinion and they're the ones that are doing this and they're this small group of operatives, I mean, how do we know that that's a triumph of American democracy? It sounds like it's more their triumph, but okay. Um, and this is according to Norm Eisen, a prominent lawyer and former Obama administration official who recruited Republicans and Democrats to the board of the Voter Protection Program. So, I mean, this is a former Obama official saying like, oh, okay, we, we did good. We protected democracy and uh, we stopped Donald Trump from claiming that he won. Okay. For Trump and his allies were running their own campaign to spoil the election. The president spent months insisting that mail ballots were a Democratic plot and the election would be rigged. Regardless of your thoughts on mail-in voting, um, there were certainly some issues with it and just, you know, the sheer volume of votes that came in and, and making sure that all of that was counted fairly in a timely manner. And I mean, we saw videos of places where the poll watchers weren't let in and they were putting cardboard up on the, the windows and stuff. So people couldn't watch, even though legally there's supposed to be people watching, but regardless of any of that, 
they're saying that he spent months insisting that the election would be rigged, but this whole article is about a, quote, conspiracy shadow effort of operatives working behind the scenes to ensure the results of the election and ensure that it wasn't part of, quote, Trump's assault on democracy. That kind of sounds like rigging. I mean, again, YouTube overlords, this is just what Time Magazine is saying. I'm just, I'm just reading along with the article, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't rigging, why did this have to happen in the shadows? Why is it being called a conspiracy? Why were there these unknown operatives? The article goes on, his henchmen at the state level sought to block their use while his lawyers brought dozens of spurious suits to make it more difficult to vote, an intensification of the GOP's legacy of suppressive tactics. Meanwhile, Democrats um, have actually been talking about, um, you know, the need to have immigrants come over the border and send them to states like, you know, California, and then get them registered to vote. Um, there was that article that um, talked about um, which, which video, I brought it up on um, one of my videos. There was this article where it was all about how places like Virginia are turning blue because more and more immigrants are coming into the cities and they are turning, quote, the rolling farmlands into suburbs and townhouses and trying to bring in more immigrants because immigrants are more likely to vote Democrat. It's right in there. It was in my video where I talked about the, um, oh, actually it was in a VCDL video. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there were two articles. There was one in Time and one in the New York Times that talked about immigrants being the key to getting more Democrat votes. Anyways. So, I mean, they can't say, you know, talk about all these plots when they have their own plot going on. But anyways, before the election, Trump plotted to block a legitimate vote count. And he spent the months following November 3rd trying to steal the election he'd lost with lawsuits and conspiracy theories, kind of like, you know, conspiracy theories similar to um, what this article is talking about actually happened. Pressure on state and local officials and finally summoning his army of supporters to the January 6th rally that ended in deadly violence at the Capitol. Well, first of all, um, the only person that died in the actual riot at the cause of the riot was Ashley. Um, oh, my goodness. Her last name. Was it Bobet? Wow, her last name's escaping me. But we all know who it was. It was the woman that was shot by the Capitol Police officer. She passed away. Uh, there was a couple of Capitol Police officers that passed away from their injuries after the fact. There was a couple people that committed suicide. I don't think you can really blame the riot on that. And then there was a couple people that died of unrelated medical issues that just happened to happen 
at the riot. You know, and they're saying like, okay, well, January 6th, deadly violence. How many people died with the BLM protests and riots over the summer? There was, wasn't there a pawn shop that was burned down and like someone was still inside? There were so many people that were shot, businesses looted, homes destroyed. But they don't call that deadly violence. That was peaceful protests. And I mean, you can't, I mean, I, I, I remember we watched it on the live stream. Trump's video, he wasn't summoning an army of supporters to riot and take over the Capitol. But again, you know, and talking about his lawsuits again, like if these people were really so concerned about a fair and credible election, as this article says, then you would think that they would be open to investigating these claims even if it was just to be like, oh, no, these didn't happen. Like, if you really want a free and fair and strong, legitimate election, why not actually investigate any of the claims of fraud? If you are so sure that fraud didn't happen, then at the very least, that would be an excellent opportunity to be like, oh, look, Donald Trump is stupid. He said these things happened and they didn't. Here's the proof. But no, instead, they just ignored it and kicked it all out of court, which... It looks a lot fishier to me personally, but the democracy campaigners watched with alarm, quote, every week we felt like we were in a struggle to try to pull off this election without the country going through a real dangerous moment of unraveling, says former GOP representative Zach Womp, a Trump supporter who helped coordinate a bipartisan election protection council. We can look back and say this thing went pretty well, but it was not at all clear in September and October that that was going to be the case. Here we go. This is the inside story of the conspiracy to save the 2020 election based on access to the group's inner workings, never before seen documents and interviews with dozens of those involved from across the political spectrum. It is the story of an unprecedented, creative, and determined campaign whose success also reveals how close the nation came to disaster. Every attempt to interfere with the proper outcome of the election was defeated, says Ian Basson, co-founder of Protect Democracy, a nonpartisan rule of law advocacy group. But it's massively important for the country to understand that it didn't happen accidentally. The system didn't work magically. Democracy is not self-executing. Remember, it's not about Trump. It's only about his assault on democracy and ensuring the proper outcome. Like the word choice here. Oh, man. That's why the participants want the secret history of the 2020 election told, even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. They were not rigging the election. They were fortifying it. Yes, fortifying it with their cabal. Let's pull up the definition of cabal. Cabal, the contrived schemes of a group of persons secretly united in a plot as to overturn a government. This is the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. 
a contrived scheme, the contrived schemes of a group of persons secretly united in a plot as to overturn a government cabal. A well-funded cabal of powerful people, says Time Magazine, worked to influence perceptions, to change the rules and the laws, to steer the media coverage and control the flow of information. And they don't call this rigging the election. They don't call this propaganda. They call it fortifying the election. Fortifying it, remember, to have the, quote, proper outcome and oppose Trump's assault. And you know, there are people that are going to read this and think that it is amazing and wonderful. And they're going to read this in such a positive light. This is some scary, freaky stuff. And remember, one of the first lines in the article goes on the little paragraph about all of Trump's accusations. And then it says, in a way, Trump was right because there was this secret conspiracy of this cabal of well-funded people, quote unquote, fortifying the election by determining the media narrative, changing the rules and laws and influencing perceptions. This is straight out of 1984. This is straight out of the color wars. This is straight out of the CIA playbook I mean, we've seen this before in declassified documents, and they're saying, but this was what we needed to do to ensure a fair and democratic election. Fair by whose standards, I wonder? This secret cabal of people, apparently. And then it talks about, you know, the architect of the quote unquote architect of this and how he's uh, the president of the AFL CIA. Oh, the nation's largest union federation. Now, the thing about unions is um, I've known some people that worked in unions and, you know, unionized trades. And all of those people, as soon as they entered into the union, were told, I'm not going to do it in the Boston accent. They were told that unions vote for labor and labor votes blue is what they were told. They were told that if you were going to be a part of the union, you were going to be required to vote Democrat. Maybe that was just a New England thing, but that's what they were told. And certainly it's the politicians on the left that are always talking about the importance of unionizing. I don't even think that your job should require you to vote a certain way, but they were told if you are joining the union, you have to sign this contract and you're voting blue. Vote blue no matter who. And the guy that orchestrated all of this was the president of the nation's largest union federation. Now, of course, this guy, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to come right out and say it. But of course, if he's a union guy, he's going to vote blue because the blue is the ones that are in favor of unionizing. Anyways, he marshaled the latest tactics and data to help its favored candidates win elections. Well, there we go. He was already in the business of trying to help his candidates and not a nonpartisan effort. Um, uh, he t it talks about a group of liberal strategists he brought together in the early 2000s led to the creation of the Analyst Institute, a secretive firm that applies scientific methods to political campaigns. He was also involved in the founding of Catalyst, the flagship progressive 
data company. So they talked about earlier in this article that this was mostly on the left, but it was a nonpartisan <laughs> cabal conspiracy to ensure a democratic election. But even the president and the uh, uh, the president of this big union federation, who was the architect of this whole thing, supposedly had a company. He brought together a group of liberal, strateg liberal strategists and created a progressive data company, but it was a nonpartisan effort. Um, and he talks about how the endless chatter in Washington about political strategy has little to do with how change really gets made. And this guy says that my basic take on politics is that it's all pretty obvious if you don't overthink it or swallow the pre prevailing frameworks whole. <sighs> Man. And then, you know, it goes on and it talks about um, Trump getting elected in 2016 and all of that. Um, and it, it goes on, it talks about the alliance, um, with a, he drafted a three page confidential memo titled threats to the 2020 election. And in the memo, it says Trump has made it clear that this will not be a fair election and that he will reject anything, but his own reelection as fake and rigged. <laughs> And there was concern that he would use the right-wing information system to establish his narrative and incite his supporters to protest. And so they laid out four categories of challenges, attacks on voters, attacks on election administration, attacks on Trump's political opponents, and, quote, efforts to reverse the results of the election. So they were concerned that he would not accept the election unless he won and that he would say that it was fake and rigged. So they created this conspiracy conspiracy, this well-funded cabal of shadow operatives to remember, control the flow of information, control the information, change the rules and laws, and control the narrative. I mean, you don't even need to read between the lines on this one. It flat out admits all of these things. I mean, and, and I can't believe that this was printed. I mean, they, they, they printed the quiet part out loud. And then the whole rest of the article um, just talks about how it was all put together through Zoom meetings and all the people that joined and how it stretched to Congress and Silicon Valley and the nation's state houses, um, how they had to overhaul America's bulky election infrastructure, um, how they appealed to Congress to steer, steer COVID relief money to election administration, the CARES Act, private philanthropy stepped in, and uh, the Chan Zuckerberg initiative chipped in $300 million. So uh, Zuckerberg was helping with this initiative, this shadow cabal to ensure election results. I mean... This what this really should be is like a damning piece of evidence. And instead, it's like, let's celebrate this secret story. I just can't believe that this was printed. I mean, and it look at the, it goes on and on and on. And it's just it's it's like a list of confessions, except it's being celebrated as like saving democracy. I mean, look at it just keeps going.
forever and ever and ever. This is insane. This is straight out of 1984. And the left sees no problem with it because their, their guy won. 